continuing our series today uh, called Divergent. And uh, Divergent very simply means, it means to go a different path, to take a path that is unexpected. And uh, that is, that's actually, you know, it's easy, to, it's easy to get caught up in what everybody else in the world does. And I think that one of the areas where, where the majority of people lie, where their, I guess where their thoughts lie, is that they are dominated so often. Many of us, including myself, are dominated by fear. And there's just so many things in the world that, you know, that point out that we, we don't have a whole lot to be, uh, to be confident about. I mean, just you turn on the news, you watch the news, and you see all the different things that are happening in our world, in particular what's going on in the Middle East right now. And then some of that stuff, it's, I mean, it's very frightening about what's happening. And then there's, there's other things that kind of grab our attention and make us nervous as well. And you see some of the, uh, some of the economic indicators are pointing out that, you know, that it's a, you know, in the next few years it could be a little bit depressing and that maybe our... Maybe our recovery is not as great as we're hoping for it to be. And, and then even whenever we get good news, I mean, there's like bad news that's sort of like behind it all. And just for an example for me is I love watching these commercials about, about new drugs that are coming out and the promises they make. You know, if you take, if you take this one drug, it's going, to, you know, it's going to heal your sinuses, or maybe you have arthritis and you take this one particular drug and it's going to make you feel better. And then, have y'all noticed though, like at the end of the commercial, but possible side effects may include. Y'all listen to those? I mean, I think the side effects scare me worse than the disease. You know, if you, if you take this drug, it's going to clear up your sinuses, but you might grow an extra finger. Uh, you know, if you take this drug, it's, it's going to clear up your, you know, it's going to clear up your disease, but you know, you're going to get cancer. And so you're like, oh my gosh. And so you watch all this stuff that's going on and even the stuff where we have promises of good news. seems like there's bad news right behind it. And then what all that creates within so many of us is it creates fear. And fear is a powerful force. It, it, it is possible, Jonah, it is possible to die of fear. I, mean, I hope none of y'all just like falls out in your seat right now, but you can actually die from being afraid. Uh, there was an earthquake that happened in 1994 in Los Angeles, and a doctor came out and he said there was over 100 confirmed uh, cases of people dying of fright. So when the earthquake occurred, uh, what happened? He said there are chemicals that are released from your brain that go into your heart, and he says it causes the heart to seize up so much that your heart never relaxes again and I heard that and I started you know I started feeling my chest tighten up now it, it is possible though that you can become so fearful that you can't even recover from it and so that's why today we are we are looking into our series divergent which means to take a different path and what we're going to see today is that God calls for his people to take a different path than everybody else in the world typically takes and, and one thing that God shares with us is he shares with us that we are to be a people that are not dominated by fear. That we don't have to be afraid in this life. That we don't have to be fearful, but we can be fearless. And so the question is, well, why is that? Well, it's because of who our God is, and it's because of what our God says in Scripture, and it's because we discover that he is a God that keeps his promises as a matter of fact, over 300 times in the Old and New Testament, God told his people one of my favorite commands of them all. 
And that's where God told his people, he said, do not be afraid. And so today in our scripture, that is exactly what Peter was telling followers of Jesus. He was saying, I know there's a lot of scary stuff in this world, and I know that life has not necessarily been great for you. He says, but you don't have to be afraid. And believers, I believe that is a promise, and that is something that translates over into our lives as well. That God has called his people to be different than everybody else, in that we are to be a people who are not overwhelmed by fear. And so if you have your Bible today, I'd like for you to take it, and you can look with me in 1 Peter. Uh, we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 3, and just read a few verses today, verses 13 through 15. And over the last several weeks, as we've been going through 1 Peter, I've been sharing with you that Peter wrote this letter to believers who were scattered all throughout the ancient world. And they were undergoing persecution because of their faith. And so Peter wrote this letter to encourage them. And one of the ways that he encouraged them today is by telling them that as scary as life was, he was saying, you don't have to be dominated and overcome by fear. Now we know the people were living in fearful days because in the very first chapter, in verse number 6, Peter wrote, he said, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Now anytime we suffer and anytime we are going through trials and we find out the cause for it we want to remove ourselves from the cause of what's getting us into a tight spot and for these people it was their faith i mean we're following jesus and we're getting beat up for it and so some of the believers they wanted to begin to pull back from their faith but peter wrote this letter to encourage them to say listen you don't have to be dominated by fear and I know that life is scary, and I know life sometimes is it's not fair, but God's big. And he said, and I want you to look at the big picture and not focus on the small picture. And so Peter gave them some important pieces of knowledge to help them survive, to help them be able to work through their fear. And I think this translates, I know it does, it translates over to us as well today. And so we're just going to see some pieces of knowledge that Peter shared with believers to help them survive. Uh, and I think we, we are living in a time, we're living in a world where we need to have some knowledge that comes from Scripture to help us understand that our lives do not have to be ruled by fear. So what's the first piece of knowledge that Peter gives? Well, it might not be the most encouraging piece of knowledge that you've heard, but in verses 13 and 14, what Peter shares with the people is this. So, okay, here's how you know you can survive even through the midst of scary circumstances. He said, understand this or know this. He said, know that suffering is inevitable. Isn't that good news? This is how he's encouraging people. He said, now, I want to encourage you by sharing something you need to know, and that is that suffering in your life, it will happen. Yay. All right, so let's look in verse number 13. What does it say? He says, and who will harm you if you are passionate for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. He said, do not fear what they fear or be disturbed. Now, there's a common misperception that we have as, as Christians that, hey, you know what, if I, if I follow God, if I live for God, and I do the best that I can, and I read the Bible, then everything's going to work out for me. You know, then I'm going to make money, I'm going to be prosperous, people are going to like me, I'm not going to have any trouble whatsoever. Now, I hear that a lot, and I see it on TV oftentimes, I hear people tell me about it, 
let me tell you something. That, that does not come from Scripture. The Bible does not tell us that everything turns out roses for you when you follow him. The Bible's very honest. James 1, 2. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Peter himself was very blunt about what life holds for believers. Okay, and this is another encouraging one. 1 Peter 4.12. Peter said, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. Jesus himself said in John 16.33, he said, In this world, he's talking to his disciples, he said, In this world you will have, what does it say? You will have trouble. Now you might think, well, how is that knowledge helping me? How is that kind of knowledge helping me survive? And here's what I believe. I believe there's many of us who avoid these scriptures. And so then when life happens, and there's great things about life, but there's other stuff that happens in life that's tough. And so then whenever that happens, many of us who avoid what scripture says here, we end up getting blindsided. Like, well, what's going on here? Where's God? And then we end up moving away from our faith, and it can destroy us in our walk with God. You see, if, if we are not prepared for the fact that it is inevitable that life has trials with it, then we are setting ourselves up for a big fall. And so what Peter is saying right here, he's saying if you're going to survive this world, if you're going to persevere in the world, understand that there are times when days in life are difficult. And even for people who love God. Apparently some of the Peter, uh, people that Peter was writing to, that they were hurting and they were suffering because they were doing good things. Now that goes contrary to everything we're told. So, so what were they doing? Well, if you look in verse 13, Peter said they were, they were passionate about doing good. Whenever it talks about they were passionate in verse number 13, it means they were burning with zeal to serve God. They're fired up. What happened to them? They were being persecuted. That doesn't seem right. I mean, there, there's something wrong with that, that picture for me, and yet it has sparked a question that has been asked since probably since the beginning of time. Why do, do bad things happen to good people? Y'all heard that before? Why do bad things happen to good people? And I'm oftentimes I'm befuddled by a lot of things I see. Uh, C.S. Lewis, a great Christian author and thinker, had this reply. It didn't necessarily make me feel good, but I thought it was interesting. He said, to the answer to that question, why do bad things happen to good people? He said, why not? He said, they should be the only ones who should be able to handle it. Now, now when we have knowledge that we are going to face difficult days in life, that it, it can help us not be caught off guard and blindsided when those times come. And whenever we're able to understand that there are things that are fearful that are coming our way, it can keep us from being paralyzed when those trials actually do come our way. Again, in James 1, 2, and 3, James wrote, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And then he says, Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Now that word perseverance, it means endurance. And so Peter's saying whenever trials come your way, they are actually things that can come your way that when you rely upon God, they make you stronger. 
as you begin to understand that there's things that come our way that are tough and that are harsh, but when I have God with me, God strengthens me. And God gives me power to have victory. Because if we're, if, we're, if we're not willing to persevere even through the trials, man, there are so many blessings we miss out on from God. You know, whenever we see trials come our way and we are not leaning upon God, then we miss out on the blessing of seeing God move. You want to know when you're going to see God move the most in your life and when you really recognize it, it's in trials. And if some of you, you've experienced trials before and you've seen God's hands in those trials. Now, I'm not saying the trials are fun. I hate them. But I wouldn't trade them. Because it's in the midst of the trial that I saw God move in my life. And I was like, there he is. And he is with me. And I'm afraid there are many of us who miss out on the blessings of God in our lives, in our marriages, in our churches, because we don't persevere. Uh, there's a guy named John Killinger wrote a, an article about how cowboys used to break wild horses. Uh, this is... This is my favorite story I'm going to tell you all today. So y'all act like you like it. This is a good story. I think it's a good story. It's really, it's interesting to me. Uh, they, they have these wild horses, and you know, they, they, they kind of, they, they just can't, they can't get them under control. And so what they used to do is they would get a rope, and they would tie the wild horse to a donkey. And they'd open up the gate and let them out. And they said, this horse, that horse would be going nuts. He said, he's, he's unbroken. He said, he'd be kicking and, you know, you know whatever they do, braying. And he said they were just going, he said, and every time they were jerking around, he said they were jerking that donkey all over the place. So that donkey is just kind of walking and just getting jerked along. He said, but after about two or three days, he said, you would, inevitably, you would see them walking back to the pen. And he said, the donkey was always pulling the horse at that point. He said, the horse would have his head down and just walking right behind the donkey. And what happened? Well, out in the wild, as they were running around, eventually that horse got tired of kicking and screaming. Even though he was powerful, he got tired and worn out, and that donkey just simply plodded along the entire time. It's not that he was not, you know, that he had given up. It's just that he just continued to do what a donkey does, just steadfast and faithful, walking along. And finally, the horse got so tired and exhausted, he just gave up. And then the donkey stepped up, and he began to lead like he was supposed to. And he takes the horse back to the corral every time. And guys, to me, that, that is a picture of who we are as believers. As followers of God, as life comes our way and trials come our way, and they are, you know, they are kicking and screaming all in our lives, we are called to plod, to plod along faithfully, walking with God and then whenever that chance arises, it is then that we are supposed to lead. You see, the battle in life does not go to the most outraged person. The battle in life does not go to the most gifted person. It goes to the person who is committed and devoted to God. And there's some of us, I mean, we are facing trials in our life and suffering in our life, and it has bruised us, it has torn our hearts, and we are worn out, and we are tired. But it could be that instead of seeing those trials as things that are trying to destroy us, that God is allowing those trials in our lives in order to strengthen us and to make us strong. Let me, let me share with you a few verses, hopefully for practical encouragement. Romans 8, 28 says, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 11 through 12, he said, blessed are you when people insult you. And falsely say all kinds of evil things against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. 
For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now there's a lot of stuff that comes our way that's not fair and that's scary. But Peter's saying when those things come your way, and that's what was happening to the people in our text, he said don't let that fear paralyze you. Understand that God can use those things in your life in order to strengthen you and that God helps you endure. And so that you can come out on the other side and you have a greater appreciation for who God is. God's bigger than anything that we face. And so I look into our text today and I see some knowledge that Peter gives to help us survive. He says suffering's inevitable. So prepare for it. Know what's going to happen. But here's another thing that he says, another piece of knowledge. He says, now, while it's inevitable, know this, that your fear can be overcome. That's probably my favorite one. If you look in verse number 14, Peter said, but even if you should suffer for righteousness, he says, you're blessed. He says, do not fear what they fear. Don't fear what the world fears. And he says, and don't be disturbed. You know, fear is like a big bully. You know, it, it comes along, it causes us to be anxious, it makes us nervous before anything ever happens. Have you noticed that about fear? Fear is always about what might happen. And a lot of us spend our time and our energy worried about what might happen instead of spending our time and our energy on what is happening. And, and I can give you an example of my own life where, where this is true. I have, I have a fear of doctors. And I know some of you are doctors, and I know that, that uh, as doctors that your goal is to make us uncomfortable. And so I get nervous about going to the doctor because wh- why do you go to a doctor? It's so that they can look to see if they can find anything wrong with you. Who wants to do that? And not only that, they get in your personal space. I mean, really in your personal space. Now, I know that's part of a, a doctor's job is to get in your personal space. But here's what I'm learning. Most of the time, the anticipation of the visit is worse than the actual visit. Now, this is what Peter's saying. He said, you guys, so many of you are living in fear. He said, but the anticipation is worse than the actual thing. He said, don't be afraid. He said, why in the world are you afraid? He said, why, why are you afraid of people and circumstances and the things of this world? And, of course, I have a response to all those things. You know, my thing is because they hurt. I'm, I'm fearful because it's not fun. It screws up my plans. You know, Peter's saying, okay, I understand that. He said, but, but think big picture. He said, why be fearful of things that are only temporary? Whenever you are serving a God that is eternal. And the people all throughout Scripture, they, they spent so much of their time being fearful of the things of this world. And God's saying, if you're going to be afraid of anything, be afraid of me. God said, I'm the one that's the creator of all things. I'm the one that holds your eternity in my hands. Follow me and serve me. Don't be afraid of people. I mean, what can, what can man do to you? He said, man can kill your body. He said, but man has no control over your soul. And then God backs all of this up by telling us he's on our side, that God loves us, that God wants the best for his people. That's why in Romans 8.31 it says, if God be for us, And who can be against us? And when we take time to think about it like that, what sense does it make for believers, for followers of God, to be afraid of anything when we know that God is on our side? When we know that everything in this life is temporary. And yet so many of us, and myself included, I tremble at the facade of fear. When it really...
really doesn't have substance behind it like my God does. You know, as a kid, I remember, you know, I remember watching the I remember watching the, the Wizard of Oz. And you know, of course, you know about the wizard, the wizard, big, bad, scary, you know, scary wizard. Everybody's afraid of him. Dorothy was afraid of him. But you remember the dog, was it Toto? Would kept he would run behind the curtain. You remember what they found? That, and so Dorothy walks around, peeks behind the curtain. You remember what she sees? What does she see? Dude, what's he doing? He's a little old guy, and he's talking into a microphone. Okay, that, that is fear. It, it's just simply a facade. It's there to throw you off track. It's there to keep you under control like the Wizard of Oz. But God's saying, step, step around and look behind the curtain, and what are you going to see? You're going to see that it does not have as much power as you give it. Now, there's a lot of stuff that scares me that looks pretty spooky. I mean, again, just, what, just a few weeks ago, there was a, a terrorist attack in, in France where 12 people were murdered because of a cartoon. And I look at that and I think, man, that's crazy. That's scary. You know, we, we are told the, that our climate is out of control. We're told that there are, there's an economic doomsday that is coming. Those things are scary. But God's saying those things... Those, those things are facade. Now, I'm not saying those are things that, that, we, shouldn't, that we shouldn't pay attention to. But God said in the big picture, he said, don't let those things dictate and rule how you live your life. He says, because you can live with confidence and hope, knowing that God has victory over all things. Now, let me close with this one. Okay, we, the knowledge we have is, Peter says, suffering is inevitable. Then he tells us that knowledge Knowledge enables fear to be overcome. And the last one is obedience to Jesus eliminates the power of fear. Another piece of knowledge we need to have is we need to understand that when we are obedient to Jesus, that we can eradicate the power of fear in our lives. Not not that we do it, but that God does it. Uh, In verse number 15, the last verse I'll read, Peter said, Set apart the Messiah as Lord in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Okay, now if you want victory over fear, if you don't want to be dominated by fear in your life, then the key is found in verse number 15. And it's where Peter says, if you want to live in victory, he says you place Jesus in first place in your heart. Now what does that mean? It means that Jesus is first in your life, that while all the stuff in this world is vying for your attention, while all the temptations are vying for your attention, while all the bad news out there is trying to get you to focus in on it so that you'll live a life of fear, Peter says, put Jesus in first place in your life. He says, follow him. Be obedient to what he teaches. You know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've wished that Jesus would come and talk to me face to face and say, I know you've been wondering what to do. Okay, Eric, here's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to do this specifically. And I think that would be so awesome. You know, if God, instead of having door one, two, and three, and I'm like, uh, I'm just going to go with where I feel led because that makes me nervous, it would, if, if, it would be nice if Jesus was standing by door number one going, this one, and I'd be like, that's awesome. But Jesus is not here physically right now. Now, here's the good news. He's left behind his instruction book. To give us guidance and direction for life. Now, th- there's some of us, and we, we live in fear, and we are nervous about what the future holds for a simple reason. We don't know what this book says. We, we don't know the promises that God has given us in Scripture. And so that is why I always encourage people, no, look in this book, know what it says. Now, you, 
does that mean you're going to understand everything in the book? No, I don't understand everything in here, but there's a lot that I do understand. Now, the age-old question is, well, is this book trustworthy and true? You know, just because you say it's a good book, does that mean it's a good book? Let me tell you something. When you, when you actually begin to follow what Scripture says here, and you begin to trust and you follow Jesus, I guarantee you it w- God's Word will change your life. And you'll discover that his word is the most reliable word that there is. But if you don't know what his word says, guys, it is so easy to be overcome by fear. And living in fear, in all honesty, it is a waste of time and energy, right? I mean, so, so many, we, we live in fear, and half the time it never happens. It's a, it's a waste of time and energy. You know, right now, on ES, like on ESPN Classic, they're, they're showing a lot of the bowl games that just took place. And they're actually kind of, the reruns, they're kind of fun to watch if your team won, right? So I can, I can, I can be positive on both sides this year. Both of our teams won, right? Now, I'm, I'm a Carolina fan because I'm a Christian. And so uh, I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. There are Clemson people that are Christians. Maybe. Uh, I'm just teasing. So I, I know, y'all, I know you don't ever joke about that. That slipped out of my mouth. And so anyway, so I can, watch, I, can watch, I can watch either game, right? So I can sit there and watch the game, and I can, I can relax when I watch it because I know who won. And so when Dylan Thompson throws an interception, I don't go, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen? I mean, I, I go, that's going to be all right. I see a penalty at a critical time in the game. It doesn't bother me. Uh, whenever I see somebody miss an assignment, not make a catch, you know, I, I just sit back and keep eating popcorn. You know why? Because I, I know who won the game, and so I just enjoy the game. Now, how stupid would it be if I'm watching the game, and I see an interception thrown, and I, and I see I, we, we get behind in the game, and I start fretting about it and going, oh, my gosh, are we going to pull it out? You'd say, you're nuts. You're, you already know who won the game. Why are you worried about a game where you already know the outcome? Okay, now, guys, here's what many, mo- I'd say most people do. We live life in fear. Because for some reason, we forget who won. We forget that the score has already been determined when it comes between good and evil, when it comes between God and the things of this world and the darkness of this world and Satan. Why would I be worried about who ultimately wins when the Bible clearly points out that God's already victorious? I said, well, how's that, how's that true? How's that play out in my life? Okay, we, we know God's victorious for, for several reasons. One, because it tells us, but in, in your own life, God's made plans for you. Why would God make plans for you if, he's, if you lose? And he'd be like, well, it doesn't matter, so see ya. God makes plans for you because he knows there's victory. Jeremiah 29, 11, one of the most famous verses many of us know, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. We learn that our past failings in life, our sin in life, do not have the power to overcome us because of what Jesus did for his followers on the cross. Ephesians 1, 7, it says, In him, meaning Jesus, there is, there is redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Psalm 23, 4, one of the most pa- uh, famous passages in all of Scripture. It says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? You're with me. And why does that make a difference? Because God won. 
don't have to be fearful because God has conquered death. And so when you know the promises of God, you can eliminate the power of fear over your life. That's why I always encourage people, know what this says. I mean, take time to read, read his word. And you say, well, I, what do I do? Hey, one of the greatest things is on your phone, you can get a, a Bible app, a Bible reading plan. I need a schedule. I don't, if I don't have a schedule, I don't do very well. There's a Bible reading plan. It tells you what to read every day. It doesn't mean that you're going to understand everything. It doesn't mean that, that you'll understand everything. That, that, that'll take, I think that takes time for a lot of stuff. But as you spend more and more time in what Scripture has to say, you begin to see, oh, this, here's a promise from God. It's what God says. So when we encourage people in our V group ministry for people to plug into V groups where, where we gather together as believers and we talk about what God's Word says and how it applies to our lives and we can hold each other accountable. And as we do those things, we discover that God doesn't want us to live in fear. So how, how do we survive in a world like this? Well, Peter says, no suffering's inevitable. Know that, that fear can be overcome. And then he encourages obedience to Jesus because it can eliminate the power of fear. Now, for those things to happen in your life, it comes down to what Peter said in verse 13. You put Jesus in first place in your heart. And, it's time, and I believe this. I believe it's time probably for somebody, some of you here today, that where you need to do that. Maybe you look at life and you say, man, this, I'm scared. You don't have to be. Just trust Jesus. You know, put, put all your chips on the table for him. And say, Jesus, I am going to trust you. And I'm going to give myself to you. Thank you.